Well, hello, we are so glad you could join us. I realise people will be joining us at different points. As much as we all want to be together in one time and one space, the, the reality is that isn't always possible. A number of people will be serving at 422 this morning as we prepare that building to serve the community in the days ahead. And a number of people will have other things and commitments that mean they'll be catching up on this uh, at a later day or um, time in the week. I read this this week in 2 Timothy and this sums up how I feel. It says, night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again for I remember your tears as we parted and I will be filled with joy when we're together again. Wherever you are, whenever you're catching up on this, let me just say this. Hello. I believe the moment we're in the moment that you are watching this, the Father still wants to touch you, challenge you and encourage you. That passage I read just a moment ago goes on. It says this, I remind, uh, sorry, I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. One of the challenges of this time is that in so many ways, we're one step removed from each other. Many of us feel isolated and alone, and it's quite easy to think that we're the only one who feels that way. Honestly, it's not. Across the board, so many feel that way. But first and foremost, we're a family. And we need to remind ourselves of that. It's hard to be one step removed from each other in the exact time that we've never needed to be more connected. But we've got to fight for each other. We really have got to fight for each other, to fight to want to be connected. At times for some, I'm sure that we can relax into the mentality of isolation and individualism. But honestly, that isn't what we're created for. Do you know what I think is happening at the moment? I think this will be a really powerful image for some of you. Do you know many, many years ago, in fact, I don't actually remember because I wasn't there, but I know it's the case. In many communities, they would ring a bell on a Sunday and the church bell would ring and the whole village, the whole community, the whole town, the whole area would come together and would, would head towards the church to meet and to gather. And I believe that what is happening is we have a bell ringing moment right now. Do you know, we, we have a moment and we have an opportunity to ring the bell in whatever form that might be. It might be a conversation with a neighbor. It might be reconnecting with somebody. It might be through a social media post. It might be a personal invitation. It might be walking alongside somebody in a really challenging or painful season of life. It might be sending a text message of encouragement. It might be sending flowers. It might be sending a card. Whatever it might be, I want us to find a way to ring the bell in this time. Not to say, hey, come to a church building. We've never believed in that. But to say to come to an understanding of a person, to come to a relationship with Jesus. 
The passage says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. People need Jesus. We need Jesus. And for some of you today, it's almost like you've got to hear that bell ring again to realize you're part of something. You need to step into it, you need to come towards it, you need to take an active step. Nobody else can do that for you. In this moment, we can't do it for you. You need to do it, it's kind of on you. But, but you are welcome and you are wanted. And yes, physically, we are one step removed, but we don't need to be relationally. But we've got to choose that and we've got to want to fight for that and we've got to want to own that. Don't get me wrong. This, this is a crazy time and in many ways it's hard and actually in so many ways it could even get harder. On Friday, our youngest daughter Liv, she had a raised temperature and uh, the only test bizarrely we could get was in Carlisle. And Sophie's in tears because she can't go to school and just wants to. So we only had six hours since the start of March without child with with childcare so it's, it's a crazy time for us don't don't get me wrong I, we love them being around actually when they went back for those six hours i missed them dearly but it but it changes our headspace and it changes our capacity and this last week steph and i have actually felt quite ill ourselves uh, we both had a bit of a virus steph has also had an eye infection we've had a million things coming at us and then this season what we see all around us is people been stretched and people been burdened. You know, I drove to Carlisle and back, it's about a five, five hour round trip, to hear then when I got back, the realization that I think they lost our test. And as a result, the kids again had to have Monday off school, a very long story, but eventually they found it. I'm not moaning about the system or the process, all of that, that's, that's not our style. That's not the people that we wanna be. What I'm trying to say is, this is a complicated time. Anything at any point can change. And in those very moments, that's when we need each other. But so often in this time, what we're finding is we're one step removed from each other, from the very community and the very relationships that we formed and fostered and we need. I've heard so many stories this week of people's, just at various points, people's pain and people's pressure. I hear you, I get that. But can I just say this? I believe the bell is ringing. There is a call to arms. It's the roar of the Lion of Judah. Just because we're tired, just because we're tired of online, doesn't mean we should be tired of fighting for community to be the people of God that I believe that we're called to be. Can I say this? COVID does not define your story. Some of you need to hear that. COVID does not define your story. Jesus defines our story. In him we find perspective, we find purpose, we find our priority, and we position ourselves for the kingdom opportunity that we find ourselves in. Do you know, some of you almost might wanna just press pause right now to listening to this, come back to it in a bit, because just for a moment, you need to get on your knees before Jesus, because you're finding that actually COVID has started to define your story and the narrative of the life you're living and the lens through which you're seeing everything. It does not define us. 
Jesus does, and we realign ourselves at the foot of the cross and in the embrace of the gracious, loving arms that we find there and the life and the truth that he gives to us. The danger in these times is that even for Steph and I, we start to become focused on risk management. Yeah, of course we want to take things seriously. We want to do things appropriately. But our focus, our focus is seeking to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God has given to you. For God has given you a spirit, sorry, he has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love and of self-discipline. And we want to be a people that are never ashamed to tell others about Jesus. The end of 1 Timothy 1 says this, it says, and Christ Jesus who gives us hope. Verse 19 goes on to say, cling to your faith in Christ. If you're clinging on, then can I say this, cling on, cling on and don't let go. Cling to your faith in Jesus and it's Jesus who gives us hope. You know, today I just want to look at the next part of our United in a Divided Time series. We are united and that brings so much and speaks so much to us and is so powerful for the world around us. As I look around, it's really heartbreaking to see so many people tearing each other apart in this time. So many frustrations, so many irritations that are rising. Honestly, one of the bells that should be ringing for us and ringing over us at the minute is unity. I said each time in this series I'll try and give us a phrase just to hang our coat on. The first phrase was faithful managers. How can we steward the unity that God has called us to? The second phrase was walking the fine line. In so many ways, there are so many relational complexities to unity, but how do we do it? How do we do it well? And then today, I want to pick up this one. How do we be united in thought and purpose? We want to have one mind, one mind united in thought and purpose. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, it says this, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I mean, Shabbat, that's what, that's what I say. Let me, let me just read that again. In fact, I, as I'll read it again, but I'd encourage you, write that out. Write it on a post-it note, print it off, do whatever you need to do to let this, this passage, this verse, dwell in your hearts this week. Because if you do, it's going to change you. It will change what you say, it will change how you think, how you speak, and how you act. It has to. It says this, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division within the church, rather be of one mind united in thought and purpose. Paul may as well have said, he didn't, he said that, but he may as well have said, hey, you lot, listen very carefully. Do this, but don't do this. Paul's almost saying, if you want to see the move of God that you dream of and you're believing for, if you want to see that, if you want to see all that I have for you, we'll stop being daft 
stop being jealous, stop being self-seeking, stop being self-promoting, self-obsessed, stop squabbling, stop picking fault, and start getting your head in the game, getting your eyes on Jesus, and realizing what this is all about. Live in harmony with each other. Be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Well, how do, how do we do that? We run from our sinful nature. We run as far and as fast as we can from it. It's not in our nature to be anything but united people because we have been transformed by the Spirit of God. We are growing up in our discipleship. We are moving forward step by step, becoming more like the people that we're called to be, reflecting the nature and the character of our Father. 1 Corinthians 3 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you're controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living as people and like people of the world? That's what the passage says. So, but where, where, where it goes wrong is when we, the focus becomes us rather than Jesus. And where it goes wrong is when the focus becomes each other rather than Jesus, because we find difference, we find frustrations, and we find human limitations. And that causes us to get distracted from all that he has for us and all that we're meant to be. In this passage, in 1 Corinthians, what is happening is we're looking at a story, the description of the reality that Paul planted the church at Corinth. And Paul planted the seed of the good news in people's hearts. He was a missionary pioneer who brought the message of God. Paul founded the church, but Apollos watered the seed. He built on that foundation that Paul had laid. He helped the other believers grow stronger in their faith. And heartbreakingly, what is happening is that the people at the time started to divide into different groups and claim allegiance to one another and, and declare who they were going to follow. And it was causing division. Verse 4 says this, When one of you says, I'm an, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm a follower of Apollos, aren't you acting like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. It goes on, verse 16, it says, Don't you realise that all of you live, that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? You see, our human inclination is often to find division and comparison, but our human inclination would be living as the world does, to which we're called to live different and to be different. From that passage, let me just very briefly pull out three things. 
The first is this, verse 5, each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. Are we doing the work that the Lord gave us to do? That's, that, I want to ask you that question. If we are, we don't have time to focus on what he's given to someone else. We don't have time to fall over someone else. We don't have time to focus on our differences because we've heard the bell ringing and we're going to step into the place that he has for us and we're going to live it out with everything within us. That's, that's the first point. Each of us, are we doing what the Lord has called us to do? The second one is this, verse 7. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. So firstly, we're going to be doing what the Lord has called us to do. But as we're cracking on with that, we aren't then focusing on, well, is what I'm doing as significant as what somebody else is doing? Is what I'm doing making me feel good or look good or feel connected? It's not important who does what, it's important that each of us does what the Lord has called us to do. So the real question isn't, what is everybody else doing? Am I keeping up? Am I jealous? Am I envious? Am I, am I, am I, whatever that might be? The real question is, am I doing the work that the Lord has called me to do? Can I just remind us of a prophetic word that Carol Wimber had last August that I shared with us in the early stages of lockdown. Carol and her late husband, John, founded the Vineyard Movement. Last August, she said this, people in church everywhere adopt a posture of prayerfully receiving this. He, God, needs us in our place for what is coming. I'm not exactly sure what is coming, but I know it's coming. And I know it's soon, and I know it's huge, and I know it's gonna be the whole thing, like nothing we've ever seen before. It's kind of scary and wonderful to think about. You need to get in your place for what God has called you to, and do it with all of your heart. It's very, very important, because no one else has been designed to do it like you will do it, and you are the one he's called to do it, and no one else will be able to do it like you are called to it, because we are really each unique, each one of us designed for our place. It's coming, it's going to be big, and it's going to be huge, wonderful, but terrible too. We need to be in our place so that we can handle it, because masses of people are going to be brought in. Right now, I'd say that rings true. What a phenomenal prophetic word for the time and season that we're in. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What is important is that each of us is doing what the Lord has called us each to do, to be in our place. And as we do, we'll live in harmony with each other, being of one mind, united in thought and purpose. The third thing, the final thing I wanted to pull out of this passage, verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. It's kind of saying the same thing that we've said all along, but if it's worth saying, surely it's worth saying again. We work together. That's how we do this. It's a team thing. It's one team, one dream. That's so different to everything that the world shows us and the world teaches us. It's not about getting to the cinema early, 
grabbing the best seat, getting the best view, being at the front of the queue for the popcorn to save waiting, pushing in in front of everybody else, getting ahead of everybody else. It doesn't work like that. We're all trying to row in the same direction. We work together with the same purpose. Can I ask you what's that going to look like for you this week? Don't just do your thing, do his thing and do it together. Don't let the enemy sideline you. Don't let him wrap you up in hurt and pain. I can't, I don't know what I have to bring. You know, I've been wounded before, I can't go again. Don't let the enemy do that to you. In a time where in so many ways we are physically one step removed from each other, we've got to fight to not be relationally and spiritually. Cling to your faith. Cling to each other. Cling to the work that he has for you, the promise and the hope that you find in him. We can be united in a divided time, and that is what he has for us. It's so powerful for us. There is a blessing in that, and there is a blessing to the world around us. He says, I appeal to you. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I hope and I pray that that's a message that is a blessing to you this morning or wherever it is that you might listen to it. This morning we're just going to do something slightly different. I'm going to invite Johnny and Bex to come and join me. This morning as we uh, have a time of ministry, we're just going to wait on the Lord, but they're going to join me as we do that.